know any other way to introduce us other than that, because this is my first time introing us. So I'm going to go straight to what everyone is imbibing into their heads. Uh, let's start with Grant, who is currently in the middle of a shark face. I have a sore throat, so I'm drinking water. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. You sound like my parents. Kevin, you're looking like a twist between Morpheus, John Lennon. Uh, don't worry, I'm picking up the Grant slack. Because uh, I am just finishing up Haze Cake by Clown Shoes. It's a hazy double IPA. Uh, and it comes with an amazing story, which I'm going to make you guys listen to because fuck it. It's a podcast. To defeat the Space Cake Armada is but a fleeting triumph for Miracle Mike. A pilfered logger has been uh, redisposed from a tool of a destruction to one, to one of salvation. Mike and Leo have leapt into the haze to rescue their buddy Sam. What are friends for if not to save your pristinely preserved head from the terrors of deep space? Haze Cake tapes the trademark double IPA space cake into the land of Haze. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I'm so glad that we practiced this ahead of time. <laughs> yep. I want the copywriting gig for these breweries. Like, who is putting the copy on these labels? I want on their marketing teams. Uh, and I'm going to be really quick. Second one. So I know this was a, a beer I, I've had before was Ninja versus Unicorn. So you remember, Grant, you've probably read the comic... Uh, 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 robots uh, versus zombies. Uh, sparingly. Uh, but yes. They had a follow-up, robots versus zombies versus Amazons. Uh, this is Ninja versus Unicorn versus the Cryo, where they're put in a cryo chamber. And so it's, huh. a, it's also a hazy double IPA, just staying on theme. Uh, and so, yeah, this is from Pipeworks Brewery. Very pretty. It is. Greg, what are you putting into your pie holes? I am drinking a bottle of Jameson that's currently covered in blue tape. Don't worry, I'm going to leave a picture uh, somewhere where you, the listener, can see it. Uh, it's covered in blue tape because we have a green screen at work, and we wanted to drink it while on camera for something that's coming very soon at my job, <laughs> uh, which I'm not going to talk about here. But anyway, it's a bottle of Jameson. That's the good stuff. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I am imbibing ah. as in addition to, uh, you know, my turmeric tea for anti-inflammation and things like that, because, you know, I've been making maple syrup up in the great white north. I just took off eight gallons. I'm very proud. Of That's an absurd amount of, like, man hours. It is. It's 325 gallons of sap that I collected and boiled in an evaporator. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, which is why I treated myself to a little uh, uh, blended scotch whiskey. And I took the shot while Kevin started talking, and it's still tingling and taking effect. I really need to drink more often to boof, mm, beef up my tolerance. Yep, see, one shot. No, dude, you just got to boof it up. You know, boof up that tolerance. You gotta I'm surprised you're not more into <laughs> The Witcher yep. because the author is Andre Sapkowski. All right. That was that was that was my. I've been working a long goddamn day, and that's the best goddamn pun I could come up with. Joe. <laughs> and I've had a bit of Jameson. Deal with it. I love you. I love you, Greg. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's uh, let's start out with you. Why don't you talk to us about Castlevania? Yeah. Okay, Grant earmuffs. Already? Yeah. Uh, dear listener, Grant has not made it through the second season of Castlevania, and so uh, Grant abhors spoilers. 
And so now we are just going to point at him and laugh. (laughs) 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 And Greg. Sucks to be Grant. Oh, my God. Okay, so Castlevania Season 3, we powered through in the span of an afternoon because, again, you know, it's 10 episodes, 30 minutes each, five hours, easily done in an afternoon. Um, the The Season 3 really struck me with this feeling of not being able to trust anyone anymore. Like, by the end of it, literally everyone was, uh, literally everybody was in dire straits of some kind. Uh, anyway, no, I, I thought the new season was fucking fantastic, and I could feel that it's building up to something else in season four. It did the same thing that season one did, where it's like, okay, the story is just starting to get really good, really good. The action's just starting to get really good, really good. Also, there's boobs. Also, there's a dick twice there's twice yeah there's two dicks uh and then all of a sudden it's like is this oh, in like a sexual context ended. or is this just like oh body parts in one well, yes one, one was one was post postcoital yeah uh one the other one, one was not uh at least in this new season there is representation lgbtq plus uh representation which is pretty cool is it also incest w- what are they brother and sister oh, oh you're talking about the um oh god yeah the twins uh I it's, don't know because they, they act like brother and sister. They and I think at some point they called each other some form of sibling, but I I kind of got the feeling, at least while watching that that they weren't related, but that they were part of the same duo or like they were part of the same group under Cho's, uh, uh, uh thumb. All right, and so like context here, dear listener, uh, at the end of uh season two. Dracula is killed, and all a lot of other vampires are killed too. Uh, Trevor uh, Belmont uh, and Dracula's son uh, Al- Allard, Alucard, Alucard, uh, yeah. and of course, Adrian Tepesh, Adrian yes. Tepesh, uh, and Cipher are, are victorious. And uh, God damn it, Grant! And uh, that's a really good dick and balls, though. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, uh, you know the world is freed from this this great evil. Uh, however, there's uh, in Japan one of the uh, vampires who came uh, to Dracula's uh, defense uh, for his war council uh, is killed, and her empire is left in ruins. And some of her slaves revolt, and two of them make it to two humans make it to. Uh, uh, Dracula's son. All right, there. That's what uh, we were and talking about. I, I did enjoy that we got a lot more Isaac. A lot of uh, character development for Isaac was really, really, really cool. Um, uh, let's. I, I want to delve into Isaac and the Hector dichotomy a little bit with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But go, go ahead and. I was gonna say I think Hector needs a fucking nap. That poor guy has been through so much, and by the end of this season, I was just like, damn it, dude. Like, I felt so bad for him, but I knew where he was coming from, but I still felt real bad for him. See, I don't, like, it's a will, he keeps placing himself into that situation because there is a need outside, like, for me, Isaac and Hector are exact opposites. Isaac needs affirmation outside of himself. Mm -hmm. Isaac finds affirmation inside of himself. And it's that strength that Isaac has that allows him to overcome every obstacle 
that gets put in his way, whereas Hector keeps getting further and further enslaved. And so that's actually a really, really interesting way of putting it. Like even like the I loved the whole storming the tower of the wizard with with Isaac and the crown of thorns on all of the like zombies heads. And then Isaac literally breaking the crown of thorns with his dagger, like as an act of will. Yeah, fantastic bit of symbolism. Yeah, yeah, I will. I, I, your savior. I will break your savior. It really is building up to an eventual clash between him and Hector because, I mean, that was one of the that was one of the games. One of the Castlevania games was uh, Hector versus Isaac, and it was Isaac was the big bad, and Hector was the one who had to fight him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm I'm real excited to see, and I think um, oh my gosh, what the heck is the name of the uh the vampire that seduces Hector? It's uh one of the four. Uh, yeah, we'll just say the pretty sister, like the 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 pretty redhead, the diplomat, okay, like she um because she is actually another villain within Isaac's game, Isaac and Hector's game. I I literally stopped playing uh the Castlevania games, probably about the Xbox generation because they became garbage. Uh, oh, but they were some of them were so good. Like Symphony of the Night is a classic. Uh, did not enjoy Symphony of the Night. Okay, we're, we're gonna we're uh, uh, here's the thing. Warren Ellis hasn't played a single Castlevania game, and he's writing all of this. Yeah, you know, so like making and, it and, new. Yeah, the games the the games are kind of I think ancillary to this anime anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, I thought. My first impressions, less gory this time around than seasons one and two. At least until the, like, the second to last episode, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but much more nuanced. Like, all the little rabbit, all, all the little crumbs and stuff that they leave. The judge of the town. Mm-hmm. You know, all the things. And when all those pieces, like, kind of lock in at the end, it was like, holy shit, that's what he's been doing the entire time. Every single character has a moment where they realize that a system that they trust is no longer trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a human, or or it doesn't have to be the vampires. It could be the humans. It could be uh, Hector with, uh, or not Hector, uh, Hector with uh, 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 whatever the the name of the the hot redheaded vampire is. And then um, Isaac with humanity because he's losing his grip on humanity, his faith in humanity. Uh, Sypha and Trevor uh, with the humans in that town that they're trying to protect when all of those humans are just, a lot of them are just straight trash. Mm -hmm. The only other character that I think wasn't was St. Germain. And St. Germain was a great, great character. Yeah. Leaving us many more questions like yes. I, which you want a Saint Germain anime now? Oh God, yeah! Just watching him jump through the cosmos. Yeah, yeah you want his pre? Oh, when they were showing all the doorways and stuff like that, and I was like, "Is that Metal Gear? Is that Metal Gear? Are they showing us Metal Gear?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, yeah, there's all these different things that like come up, and uh, no, that 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 could take it down an entirely different rabbit hole. Uh, mm-hmm. But overall. Uh, how satisfied were you with the ending? Not satisfied because I wanted more. It's it really did feel because, and I think it was purposely unsatisfying because everything ended so bad. Yeah, like yep. is there another season coming out? No, 
Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. I think they oh, they yeah. probably have another at least two or three seasons left. <laughs> I think they confirmed that before this one launched. <laughs> yeah. And legitimately though, it is uh, okay, if you have not watched it and you're listening to this, you just had like a huge amount of season 3 spoiled. Mm. This show is legitimately one of the best animes on Netflix and one of the best ones that I have seen in the last year. Like it's very, or in the last like several years, it's yeah. really good. Just the nuance, the writing, the acting is just incredible. And the art style is, oh, it's, holy uh, shit. Yeah. The battle at the Abbey, man. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Now we point at Grant and we tell him to put his headphones back on. Oh, hey. Okay. Hey, and that is when, uh, you know, Isaac totally sucks Dracula's dick. I'm so happy Warren Ellis got my fan fiction. <laughs> Arcing ropes of jism everywhere. <laughs> okay. Grant, uh, were you going to tell us about some comics that you've been reading lately? Oh, uh, I also just wanted to say something about Strange Academy. Uh, it's the book that Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos were, were whipping up. Uh, I was initially pretty skeptical because it was like, oh, how about how about a school for magic kids in the Marvel Universe? I'm like, awesome. It's awesome if they're just going to suck Harry Potter's dick right on page. Uh, but oh, no. Oh, no, dear listener. This is a lot of fun. Uh, they introduce a lot of cool young characters that have ties to, like, the greater Marvel Universe. And uh, Dr. Voodoo's in there. And he's a really cool Ooh. character that's really underutilized. and. There's some Stephen Strange, but not enough to kind of overshadow the the supporting cast of kids. It's it was it's beautiful. It's engaging. It's it's fun. I highly recommend picking it up if if you haven't thought about it yet. It's really so. Awesome. I think as as a massive fan of Scotty Young, I hate Fairyland or fuck Fairyland. I gotta say, like that dude is he's fucking hilarious, mm -hmm. and he does like gore really really well. Yeah. This has a lot of really good uh, humorous beats. I think he captures like a teenage voice really well. Uh, there's this really fun dichotomy where there are two uh, teens from Asgard uh, and the, the son of Dormammu are at the same school. So they all just hate each other, and it's really funny. Son of Dormammu? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it's it's really enjoyable. I highly Super recommend checking this out. Angsty. Oh, they all are! It's wonderful! And also, uh, Money Shot, the first art, came out uh, this past Wednesday. I haven't had a chance to read it, but I bet it's going to be amazing. Uh, and they say they're going past this arc. Speaking of roping arcs of jism, uh, they're, they're going past, <laughs> past this arc. So I hope this book goes as long as humanly possible. When this trade is available from Vault Comics, uh, I, you have to pick it up. It's going to be it's hilarious. Wow, there are, there are five different variant covers for Strange Academy. Are there really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. I just feel like it's way too many goddamn variant covers. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then we wonder why comics can't make any money. I mean, I'm not I'm not complaining. I think the, the variant covers are awesome, but, like, well, it's fun. It's just too many. Oh, yeah. It's it's fun when they come and it's, like, a special occasion. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems like the big two have really gotten hard-ons for how neat variants are, and they're milking their public for how much they're worth. Uh, but that's their business, not mine. I don't know the numbers behind the scenes. I know Dynamite has a real issue, no pun intended, uh, with like seven or eight variants per issue that they're releasing, which just seems like a colossal waste. Why, man? Just why? Why? Well, do you remember, uh, way throwback to uh, 
when we were interviewing Rick Remender about Tokyo Ghost, and he was like, yeah, I get we have a, a B cover. If people want to buy that, they can, but it's it's nothing special. Well, not nothing special, <laughs> but he made it seem like there was they weren't trying to make multiple variants to get people to buy them. He just thought it might be cool if some of the issues had variants, and I always respected that about him. That was a good choice. All right. What was next on our docket, Greg? <laughs> oh, oh, you're throwing to me for help. You're okay. the one who just rattled it all off. <laughs> it's. Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, talk about a video game. <laughs> I mean, I could I talk about transition. some video games. <laughs> uh, so, Ori and the Blind Forest comes out uh, here this week. Uh, should probably be out by the time of publication. Uh, and, sorry, not Ori and the Blind Forest. Ori and the Will of the Wisp, which is the sequel uh, to Ori and the Blind Forest, uh, which was a landmark game that came out in 2015. Uh, it took five total years to make this, honestly, sequel to a masterpiece. I have not met a person that hasn't played Ori and the Blind Forest that hasn't cried in the first five minutes of this game. It is because it literally makes you fall in love with some characters and then rips your heart out and throws it asunder as you watch the the mother of your character die of starvation before your eyes. Spoiler alert. Holy shit. But that's actually I've been meaning to pick this game up for switch because it's because it's on switch now. Yeah, it is. It is on switch. Uh, I'm not really spoiling it because this happens again within the first five minutes of the game. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's tearful, it's powerful. Uh, and if you haven't seen, uh, the trailers for the new game that comes out, uh, it is kind of tells you, uh, you are kind of in league with, uh, the, the shot, the spawn of the villain that you overcome in the last game. And so Ori, who my son has an Ori plush doll in a blanket of, that he is sleeping with right now, you know, uh, who are adorable little characters. Uh, I, the child of light that is Ori, the, the, the child of the forest, is trying to, in some way, make up for the inadvertent sins of the last game. And uh, I, I will probably be, be crying and bawling all throughout this next week. But uh, it comes out on uh, Nintendo Switch here uh, uh, and Xbox and PC on the 11th of March this month. How is the weeping and crying any different than any other week? This one is actually because I feel empathy toward video game characters and not so much uh, the state of the world as a whole. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, while my my weeping for the world uh, does bear a bit of a, a ironic sense, uh, my tears for Ori are genuine and and absolutely heartfelt. I think Jung almost, would probably almost. would probably uh, insinuate that it's because you're connecting to core archetypes which lie within the uh, universal collective subconscious. Smart shit, Marjorie, take a shot. God damn it. Almost as if one would feel the same way about a fictional dog. Mm. 
I'm throwing it way back to like early days of Reverse Centaur, and I got no response oh, from any of you assholes. My mind immediately I'm went to real, old. Real chafed. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm not responding right now. <laughs> because it was a huge uh, arc for your character where it changed class or uh, changed uh... alignment. It did not. <laughs> There was a court case. had to dedicate an entire episode to to deciding whether or not it would change your alignment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a court case. <laughs> jung jung. <laughs> yes. In the criminal dungeon system. <laughs> All right, match. What's next? God. <laughs> Mother Tara, save us all. <laughs> I know that we were going to talk about Frozen. Beyond that, I can't promise that I can remember what else we were going to talk about. Was there anything else other than Frozen 2? No, it was all about Frozen. We actually haven't started recording yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, neither have I. Well, you know. Um, yeah, so uh, my mom actually took my daughters to go see Frozen 2 in the Big Rapids Theater when we were up there, ironically. And Kyle and I were like, woohoo, we get to go run around in the world. <laughs> and Maddie and Ella came back and they were like, yeah, you really need to see it. And I was like, oh, did you have, like, was it fun? Did you like it? Like, whatever. I'm all like, I've given up being neg- negging on Frozen 1. I'm like, okay, whatever. I like you to like whatever you want. Oh, was it fun? They're like, yeah, no, like, you really need to see it. You would like it. And I'm like, okay. They're like, yeah, it's all about like the elements and like she's the fifth element, as you've taught us, you know, as you've talked to us about many times before. I'm like, right, yeah, the fifth <laughs> element. She's like, yeah, well, right. Like, so Elsa's the fifth element, and you know, the elements all have to help her, and it's about like, you know, the natives that they lied to. And I'm like, oh, colonialization. They're like, yeah, that thing, whatever. <laughs> that you always talk about. So I was like, okay, so uh, it uh, it finally came out to not, of course, on Disney Plus, which I purchased a subscription to. Of course, it wouldn't be out on there. No, it's crazy. Finally caved and bought it on iTunes, um, and Maddie watched it and then demanded that I watch it with her again later that evening. I was like, all right, good pitch. <laughs> getting way too big she was she saw me kind of like you know puttering around in the kitchen she saw me like pause in between activities and she was like what you doing right now and i was like why she's like i think you should probably watch frozen 2 with me and i'm like yeah i think you're probably right let's go downstairs <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah wow my kind of uh, general synopsis is that whoever wrote it was at a very minimum microdosing on LSD. Um, there's some serious truths from the universe and also just some serious random like what the fuck is going on? So the first fun bit of that is the musical, the music video. I, that's the best that I can call it. The music video, which is Kristoff's. Oh my gosh, yes. That was so bizarre. I had to immediately, as soon as the credits rolled, I had to immediately pull up YouTube and be like, this is a Richard Mark music video, right? Like, this is Poison in the 80s. This is what a power ballad. Maddie's like, oh, yeah, I can totally see that. Like, the hair, the lighting, the shots, the... The background vocals? Background vocals? Yeah, Lydia and the kids saw it without me, and then when it was my turn to watch it with them, that scene came up, and I was just like... Open mouth, staring at the screen, mumbling, what is this? And they're like, no, 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 just wait, it gets better. Right, 
Right. Yeah. No, like Manny is, of course, and she's seen this like three times right now. So she's watching me watch it <laughs> to be like, what will then I say? Oh my gosh. I tend to have strong reactions to things, right? And I'm just like, what is going on right now? What did you think about Olaf's cognizance of like the fragility of life? Oh my gosh. My God. So I hated Olaf in the first Frozen. Like, he was obnoxious. He was really on the nose, obvious humor, right? Like, it was for the kids, and it worked with most of the adults, but I was so bored. Olaf, in Frozen 2, has become entirely self-aware. And he references, like, his self-awareness and his evolution. Like, he starts out by being like, oh, wow, it sure is nice that I can read now, and it sure is nice to, like, educate myself and learn and grow. So Olaf's whole thing is, in, in Frozen 2 is water has met. So he, he's been reading, he's learned to read. So he's been reading books, right? So he starts spouting off like random trivia as they're traveling along. And you start to listen to it. You're like, this is nonsense. But then you're like, wait, like, is, are those real? I think that those are actually true. My, my girlfriend <clears throat> who I trust says that they're true. I, I trust her. I believe her. So I'm like 80% that they're probably actually true. But one of them is, he says, did you know that water has memory? And this keeps coming up throughout and spoiler alert, um, which whatever it's frozen too. If you haven't, if you're an adult <laughs> person, you probably have seen the beginning, the end before you saw the beginning anyway. So yeah, at least I'll make it make sense. Um, he ends up because like Elsa basically goes out of commission for, you know, a hot second, basically Olaf dies. And it's this whole big emotional scene with Anna and she's saying goodbye to him, giving him warm hugs. And this is after we've watched Olaf basically just meta narrate his personal evolution and what it is to experience cognizance and self-awareness and evolution as a human and continues this throughout his death and then resurrects when Elsa gets her shit back together and gets her mojo and basically resurrects much like the Phoenix. And this resurrects Olaf as well. And he comes back and the first thing he says is, wow, sure, you know, sure is a good thing that water has memory. And of course, I mean, not to totally like pagan occult druid out on us, but and I wish that I were uh, bookish enough to be able to reference the specific name of the study, but there have absolutely been scientific studies, some very compelling long-term studies done on um, the emotion put into water specifically as it freezes and the different types of crystals that form and also, you know, the memory that water holds. And there's, there's some actual science behind this. Um, but it's definitely, I would say that this exists, this idea exists in the occult space, probably, you know, most popularly. Um, well, even just like folkloric myth, like this movie does a good job of reaching into, uh, like old world myths and tying that into how like the, the, the environment of Arendelle and it's nearby kingdoms and all that stuff works. And it's, this is a really thoughtful movie that you wouldn't expect. How do Elsa and Anna manage to keep, manage to not only right the wrongs of their ancestors, of their colonizing military grandfather, who oh, lied yeah. to their matriarchal ancestors and built a dam and destroyed their lands and then killed them, right? Total betrayal, colonialization. How do Anna and Elsa overcome the four powerful elements of nature? Air, fire, stone, which is earth, water. Of course, these are our four elements. Mm -hmm. um, how do they overcome them? 
by befriending them. Turns out Fire is this adorable, cute little lizard that likes to curl up in Elsa's palm like a kitten because he likes to cool down because she's, you know, mm. ice, right? Uh, turns out the air is just this playful spirit that just, you know, needs to be befriended. Turns out the stone giants, which is Earth, just need to be bossed around by Anna, who after all, I'm super annoyed by Anna this whole time, who's like totally neglecting Kristoff, being uh, like a genuinely bad partner and kind of trying to limit Elsa the whole time by being like, I just care about you a lot. And I'm like, okay, somebody's insecure that they don't have superpowers. She finally like gets it together and is like, whatever, I'm just gonna make the giants tear down the dam, which is exactly what needs to happen, right? So she, they, between Anna and Elsa, they utilize the forces of nature to accomplish what they need to do. Uh, I was actually curious, what role does Mila Jovovich play in this? When they did the vocal switch, when she became the fifth element, it was really weird. And then when Olaf was resurrected, he came back with Bruce Willis's voice. So it left this ah, weird okay, yeah. kind of uh, narrative energy. Come back, come back, come back. I don't got no fire. I got no fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the Duke of Wesselton became uh, Ruby Rod, which is really weird. Um, one last thing I want to hit on, on Frozen was I thought there was... This really neat part that I feel like is the embodiment of the the modern relationship where Anna's off doing her own stuff and figuring her own shit out. And at one point, like she needs some help and Kristoff comes out of nowhere riding Sven and he grabs her and all he says is, I'm here for you. What do you need? Like doesn't waste platitudes, doesn't like fun, be like, oh, what's going on? What's wrong? He's like, I'm here for you. What do you need? And see, this is so interesting because like, and I, I, I get a little bit hesitant here because there are probably some third wave feminists that I'll like offend. I think that Kristoff's character was definitely underdeveloped. I think that it's really interesting. And in a way, like we could say glass basement shattering that we have a male character who's stock and grossly underdeveloped and just kind of there along for the ride. Although when Olaf made fun of him at the beginning of the movie, he was like, I have to go talk to some rocks about my feelings. I lost my shit. Exactly. But what is, right, as a good partner, and yeah, Anna, Anna, in my my female estimation, Anna's kind of being a shit as far as, like, partners go, and also as as far as sisters go. I've never had a sister. I don't know. But if I was Elsa, I'd be super annoyed by her. But what does Kristoff do? Like, yeah, he moans, and he's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm super awkward. I'm going to do a, like, 80s power love ballad to figure it out. What does he do in the end? He leans into his as Jung would call it, his, well, I'm going to use the word divine because that just kind of makes sense, but he leans into his masculine archetype, right? He leans into into his, his, his strengths and his anima. Um, and he, he goes into savior mode, right? Like he, he, he goes to the thing that he knows how to do well, which is to save Anna from trouble and to be there when she needs him. And she does that. And that kind of helps Anna to snap out of it and be like, Oh, like, I really appreciate you. I probably shouldn't take you for granted. Um, and that part of it, I I thought was really, really fantastic. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people will focus on this film's clear, like anti-colonialist, themes which are incredibly important um i love how anna's just like fuck it i know that destroying the dam will destroy arendale but it's what needs to be done and i'm just gonna fucking do it even though i don't have superpowers fantastic and of course what does elsa do right she resurrects she rides her water stallion who she's made friends with by fighting in a like Gilgamesh and Enkaidu style battle in the water like super incredible they be friends she comes she saves Arendelle from the tidal wave 
and we get to have our cake and our eat it too because they put everything on the line, right? Like they mm -hmm. threw it out there. They right the wrong. They found they found themselves. Um, it's I think it's a really radical message. <laughs> Yeah, super excited. And Olaf wasn't annoying. I'm really confused about what's going on right now in media. And this has been Court of Nerds Reviews Family Movies. <laughs> I did not know Pixar remade the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, I would My throw so much like, money oh. at that movie if they tried that. I actually kind of want to watch Frozen and Frozen 2 now. Uh, you don't have to watch the first one. I'd watch the second one, though. Seriously, just skip to the second one. Like, they do enough recapping. Olaf does some recaps that pretty much say it all. I, so you're I'm, telling me with the first movie I need to let it go? Let it go. All right. Don't all hold right. it back anymore. You're in rare form tonight. <laughs> I'm peaky, man. I've been drinking. <laughs> <sighs> well, with that in mind, uh, anybody else have any further thoughts on anything to throw in before we close up? Well, the, the new Black Widow trailer just dropped uh, uh, over the course of us uh, uh, us talking, and my God, like this movie, I it infuriates me because I wish this movie came out five years ago because yep. it is exactly the kind of character development that Natasha Romanov deserves. Yeah. After her death? No. While she's still alive and is still an integral part of the MCU. I understand the whole reason why they didn't have it come out, mm. you know, years ago. And it's because they were having issues trying to schedule and they didn't know where to fit it into the schedule, into the MCU schedule and this and that. And it's like, but having this play between uh, uh, Infinity War and Endgame would have been fucking excellent. It would have been perfect. And even at that time when there were, you know, girl power female superheroes were in their prime with Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, that would have fit perfectly within that schedule. And the fact that they're waiting until after Endgame, until after Natasha's story has ended, it really frustrates me. Yeah. That being said, the movie looks really good. Part of me, all right, so comic book nerdy. Is Taskmaster the right villain for this? Is he? Yeah. Marvel seems, I don't want to say shoehorns, but they they tailor the characters to fit the, the narrative. And I'm a big Task, yeah. Taskmaster fan. I'm just glad me I too. bought his first appearance a couple years ago. Uh... And I got Black Knight's first appearance from a couple of years ago, too. So this is Collector's mm. Corner with Grant. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who Taskmaster is, but I, I'm assuming that we're referring to David Harbour's character. No, he is going to be Red Guardian. Uh, Taskmaster is a guy that has photogenic or photographic reflexes. I uh, in the, so he can... Yeah, he can yeah. copy anyone's moves. And in the trailer, he has this really badass thing where he did the Black Panther thing and then, like, goes to town doing Black Panther moves, so... In that regard, I think it's going to look cool. I just want a, a really good, solid, like, action James Bondy style film with Black Widow. I think they could have been making these movies all along, and it would have been yeah. Cool. And and I think that's the 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 kind of thing, uh, like whether it's Bond, James Bourne, Mission Impossible, kind of. Yeah. I mean, we still kind of we still feel. haven't done a buddy cop. Uh, Scarlet, or I'm sorry, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and Hawkeye uh, in Budapest film. I don't know, like if we're going and doing prequels and retrospectives, maybe that could be on the schedule someday. Now is that pie in the sky? I think the buddy cop thing is gonna get uh, is gonna get done when Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out on Disney oh. Plus uh, a little bit later on this year. Sure. I, 
Is it later this year or is it next year? I can't remember. No, it's this year. Same with Loki. It's this year. Oh, yeah, Loki. And WandaVision. And then, well, I'm actually really excited to see what hell happens in WandaVision. It looks so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah, no, I have uh, Major Ladywood for David Harbour and Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice in particular. I yeah. sh- oh. Since the mummy, dude. Since the mummy, yes, I, Kyle and I've talked about this many times. You know, I'm pretty, pretty far right on the hetero spectrum, but I would hit that all day long. Oh my God, Rachel Vice. Yep. Yeah. I agree. You should hit that all day long. Right. That's exactly what Kyle says. Um, and then it doesn't help that she's married to Daniel Craig, and so we just kind of. Is she really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just found that. That's out like today a really too, aesthetically yeah. pleasing couple. Right. <laughs> you just think about them together as a couple, and it's very sexy. <laughs> I just hope she makes an appearance in the next Knives Out movie and it just comes full circle and it's, yeah. Wait, yeah. is there another Knives Out movie? They're talking about Oh my about God, it. you didn't hear about this. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Can after that happen? Knives Out, yeah, so after Knives Out yeah. made like a metric butt ton of money at the box office, uh, the, the studio was basically like, hey, Ryan Johnson, here's more money. Make another one of these. And he goes, well, I guess I can make a story about Benoit Blanc and so that's what this new movie is going to be about. He's writing a movie specifically about Benoit Blanc's character, about Daniel Craig and Daniel Craig is like, this was a ton of fun to do, so of course I'll do it. Oh my gosh, isn't that funny? Original IP and no studio shackles makes good movies. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. Alright, well uh, with that beautiful transition uh, let's do plugs! Uh, Greg, what are you plugging today? I want to plug this podcast. If you're listening via iTunes, Stritcher, maybe Spotify, whatever it is, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and maybe give us a rating. If you think it's a good rating, or you think we're good, then maybe give us a good rating. If you think we're bad, maybe give us a good rating. Whatever it is that you want to do, you could totally do it. And you can find more information on this podcast also at thecourtofnerds.com. Excellent. Grant? I have a Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> it's running till the end of March. It's called SideQuest. Uh, and you should uh, give me money to make it because making comics is so much fun. Uh, I don't think you, I don't think people understand how much fun it is. So yeah, it's also a little stressful, but that's you know, that's why I wear shark heads and draw wieners. SideQuest on Kickstarter. Go buy it. Support it right now. Do it, fuckers. Uh, Kevin, what are you plugging? I am going to plug this weird Indiegogo campaign of Cosgirl magazine uh, uh, by this unknown uh, podcast host named Marjorie Steele. Who did, can I just say, did a phenomenal job hosting this podcast against all of our bullshit. Despite all these assholes. Even though you made me drink bourbon. We let you drink bourbon. (laughs) <laughs> top 10 of the the court of nerds hosts yeah for sure. yep. uh she uh head to her indiegogo page uh give a pledge uh get yourself uh a wonderful little what what did i do the first year yeah do the first year it's do dangerous that. uh thought challenging art like that dangerous uh cosgirl with three r's on indiegogo thank you so much kevin and uh i am gonna close by plugging uh listening to this podcast while you take a walk in nature tune in next time uh bye-bye This podcast made possible by our good friends at Tardy's Collector's Corner. Like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure you're checking for all the latest and greatest at Tardy's. 